Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Happy January. Happy New Year. Woohoo. It's here. 2022 is here. It's so weird. And I don't know about you, but I woke up the same person on January 1st as I was when I went to bed on December 31st. I thought it was supposed to be like New Year, new me, but it actually just ended up being New Year, same me. And it's okay. I'm actually learning to like that same old me and embrace her with her many Amelia Bedelia moments, bad jokes, and quirks. Um, I actually, okay, I, I kind of was kidding there. I did wake up with a new attitude and an excitement to execute my plans and a little extra shimmy and a shake in my dancing shoes, you know. But I am happy to just keep on, my focus this year is just to keep on taking small steps and working on being a better version of myself, but the same self uh, in this year. Speaking of liking oneself, that is one of the 12 ways to be more awesome in 2022 that Angela Lucier shared on her Claim the Stage podcast. She did it at the end of December. And don't worry, even though it's the new year, it is not too late to go back and find that podcast and listen. You are going to love it. I mean, no guarantees, but I love it. So you better love it. I've listened to it three times and I've taken notes and I just think you need to go listen. So go do that. Well, no, no, finish listening to this first, um, but then go do that. The whole episode is about how you're already awesome, but it's... It's 12 ways to continue building on your awesomeness. How about that? And now you're wondering, wait, who is Angela Lucier? And if you're new here, you're probably wondering, wait, who are you? Okay, so let's do that. First things first, rewind. In case this is your first time listening, hello, hi, I'm Emily Aborn, and I want to thank you for being here. And Honestly, even if it's not your first time listening, thank you for being here, no matter how many times you have listened. You are the reason I'm here, and I'm so super grateful for each and every single one of your ears. I'm the host of this podcast, a content writer, and the owner and founder of She Built This. So what you get on this podcast is inspiring stories from women entrepreneurs, marketing and writing tips, education, inspiration, and sometimes some babble, as I like to say, from yours truly. If you want some really good babble, you can go back and listen to my episode from last week. Wow, I just gave you two new podcasts to listen to after this one. You can thank me later because now you have a whole day's worth of podcasts to listen to while you go about your activities. Okay, now let's get into who Angela is. Angela Lucier is my guest today. She is an award-winning speaker, a seven-time author, two-time TEDx presenter, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of speaking clubs that helps women discover, awaken, and create their voice through the art of public speaking. Angela is the host of, the Cl of Claim the Stage, a public speaking podcast for women, which was rated number one on the inspiring podcast list by Forbes in 2020. 17. Her work has been featured on ABC, NBC, Forbes, Virgin, and Entrepreneur. She lives in Western Massachusetts with her family and super energetic cat. And her motto, I just love this, it is stop waiting, start creating. 
a little backstory. Angela is probably one of my favorite people. No, she's definitely one of my favorite people. I met her back in 2019 where she first came on to this podcast and shared her story about how she started Speaker Sisterhood. You can go back and listen to that one too if you want. From It's called From Stage Fright to Flight. And that was back when I was naming them weird things and also was just a highly awkward podcast host. <laughs> so that will be fun. And I just gave you another podcast to listen to after this one. You better have an open schedule today because now you got three. Anyway, Angela has impacted my life in multiple ways. First of all, she's just a genuinely amazing human being who's constantly sharing her life lessons and her own growth process in a way that makes you want to dig into your own and ask yourself the same deep questions. Secondly, I am a proud member of the Speaker Sisterhood and I love it. It hasn't only helped me to be a better speaker, it's also helped me to learn more about myself and to feel more confident speaking off the cuff and without a plan. And I absolutely just love my group. I love them. And third, Angela is just so super inspiring. The way she encourages us all to stop waiting and start creating. And that is exactly what she did. And she kind of like leads by example. So she's always reminding you to step out, speak up, even when it's hard, and do the thing that you want to do. I could go on, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and further ado this one, keep this intro short and sweet, and bring you this episode with Angela Lucier, where we focus on this month's theme of visibility. And we're going to get into how Angela defines being visible, how we self-sabotage ourselves from being visible, and where she sees women especially do this most often. And then how the fear of being seen and being judged can actually be overcome. And it's not as hard as you think. And there's obviously going to be a lot more. I hope that you love Angela and this conversation with her as much as I do. Hi, Angela, and welcome back to the She Built This podcast. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm very excited. I feel like we've gotten to know each other so much better over the past couple of years that this is probably going to be like, I, I don't know if it was awkward for you the first time, but I, it was probably very awkward for me because <laughs> I was just like <laughs> breaking into the podcast world. So this will be a better experience for you, guaranteed. Okay. I didn't think it was awkward just for the record for the first one. <laughs> Um, all right. So to start off, I always like to hear, you know, I read your bio, um, but I like to hear in your own words who you are and what you do. And also for those who haven't heard that first one, which I'm going to have a link to because they definitely need to go back to, um, how did you start the Speaker Sisterhood? It was oh. like six questions in one. So have fun. <laughs> I'll just be back here. You go. <laughs> uh, well, I'm... Yeah. Okay. So we'll start with who I am. I'm the founder of Speaker Sisterhood, which is a network of public speaking clubs for women. I'm also an author and I've been a professional speaker for about 10 years. And, you know, when sometimes when people see me speak, they they talk about how they wish they could be a speaker. And I'm so lucky that I was born this way. And I have to laugh when I hear stuff like that, because I was not born this way. I was definitely born the opposite way, which was wanting to hide, never talked and just wanted to disappear into the shadows. <laughs> um, I think 
I'm definitely an introvert. I'm definitely um, highly sensitive and someone who is more of an observer in the world. And so uh, being young and just wanting to like watch what everyone else was doing and listen to their conversations, but not really be part of them made it so that like being on a stage or thinking about being on a stage was never really a feasible career opportunity for me. But um, when I was working at my first job after college, I was working in a radio station and I was kind of doing what I thought would get me um, promoted, which was just working really, really hard, working harder than everybody else, longer hours, doing as much as I possibly could just to prove myself and realize that if I wasn't willing to speak up and if I wasn't willing to put myself in the spotlight from time to time and advocate for myself, then I would, I was sort of missing out on a lot of opportunities to, to get the promotions, to get the acknowledgement for the work I was doing. And so I went to public speaking training, which was terrifying and such a big step and took me six months to decide whether or not I was going to do it. But I kind of realized like, if I want to have like a voice in the world, I need to figure out where mine is and what mine is and how to use it. And so I went to, to public speaking training and I spent five years working through all my fears of being seen and being heard and figuring out how to put together a story and be persuasive and really fell in love with public speaking, which was like the shock of a lifetime because I never thought that that would happen, but I actually love being on stage and I love storytelling and I love telling jokes and I love helping people find things out about themselves through this medium. And so I started Speaker Sisterhood five years ago. That's really crazy to say that went by really fast, but um, I started it because there are a lot of other women who also felt shy and felt scared of being in the spotlight, but wanted to find their voice, but didn't have a place to go to practice and to feel comfortable. And so Speaker Sisterhood is that solution. It's a supportive, safe space community for women who want to learn how to speak up, who want to discover who they are and discover their voice in a place where other women are doing the same exact thing. And it's been a huge gift in my life to be able to be part of this um, transformational time in women's lives and to build something that has so much meaning for so many women. And um, I'm happy to say that I am a member of Speaker Sisterhood. And first of all, I think that the curriculum you put together, like, I don't know if you technically call it that, but the process you take people through to find their voice is really like different from everything else that we've experienced. And I love it. I just think it brings out like all of this honesty and authenticity in people and the group. I mean, I'm sure most of them are like this, but the group I'm part of, we are all just like so super connected. And I feel like everybody just shows up and they can be themselves unapologetically themselves. And it's freeing. And like you said, it's a safe place that we can work on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, it is called a curriculum and it was built with the intention of not only helping our members to find, build the skills of speaking, but to also discover who they are through the process of putting their speeches together. And so it's almost like, it's hard to talk about speaker sisterhood in a way that really does it justice. Because when I say it's public speaking training, it's like, well, it is that like 5%. And then the other 95% is like the deep dive you do into your soul and um, the amount of self-awareness and 
the amount of confidence you build and the sisterhood you build. And I've visited many of our clubs and I have to say that the sisterhood exists in every single club, even though each club has its own energy and, you know, the members are different and the leaders are different. It really is a sisterhood within a larger sisterhood. And everybody says like, I don't, I've never known people the way that I know my sisters in this club. And like, I've never talked about my life and myself and the way that I get to talk about it in this club. So it is pretty special. And the word that I always like to use to describe it is it's magical because it's like beyond a networking group where you like share business cards and, you know, it's like beyond a public speaking workshop. It's this really cool little secret society. Definitely. And I know that, you know, anytime I'm, I come in there feeling like I'm tired or it's not like, it's like one of those meetings that you're like, even though you're tired, you're, you're looking forward to it every single time. And I always walk away not feeling tired. You know, I feel energized, which also spoiler alert. I've also discovered about myself through speaker sisterhood that I'm hilarious. That is my claim. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding. You are hilarious. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, all right. So Speaking of speaker sisterhood clubs, one of the things I was excited about is that they all went virtual. And so then I had the opportunity to join one and participate in it. Now, that was kind of a byproduct of COVID. Um, but I and I know we're all like super sick of talking about this, but I'd love to hear like how COVID affected speaker sisterhood. Like what was it before and what is it now? And how do you feel about that? Wow. Well, before COVID, we had one, we had, we had two online clubs, which meant all of our other clubs met in, met in communities or in corporations and anybody could join them in the local area. And all of the clubs, you know, were in person. So you would go to a physical location and you'd sit in a room with 15 other women and you would have the meeting. And once COVID came about, we moved all of our clubs online through Zoom And I was really nervous at first because I thought we're going to lose that magic that happens when everyone is sitting together, having that emotional feeling of experiencing a speaker and experiencing their energy. And what if people are burnt out from being online all day and being at their computer? Do they really want to sit through another voluntary two-hour meeting twice a month? And I have to say I was wrong that that we were going to lose a lot of members. What ended up happening was it Speaker Sisterhood became a lifeline for so many of our members because they lost so many communities that only met in person that they no longer had a place to go to check in with their colleagues in the community. They no longer had the monthly networking breakfasts. So Speaker Sisterhood kind of filled a need for them to to have a space to show up and connect with people in an honest and authentic way. And so our clubs, we did lose some clubs because so many people's lives changed with their schedules and childcare and finances. And so we had to make some adjustments there. But for the women who have stayed or joined during this time, I've received countless emails and messages from the members saying how much this has helped them to get through this time and to have a place to share and and be heard. So beyond that piece, um, I, you know, as I said in the beginning, like I'm a speaker, so I go out and I speak at conferences and, and corporations and I do workshops for all kinds of organizations. And I have not done a single public speaking gig in person in almost two years. And it's so weird to say that because I haven't, I've never not gone out and spoke um, 
in person for like more than a couple weeks. So um, that's been weird, but all my speaking gigs are online now. So I do, you know, workshops and webinars and stuff on the computer. And I have to say it's not as satisfying. I don't feel as, I don't have that afterglow after I speak anymore. I feel a little more drained after sitting in front of the computer, but um, Speaker Sisterhood is focusing more on online courses and building the podcast and trying to just keep that connection going uh, through the internet as much as we can since we don't have that in-person element like we used to. Yeah. And I do think that some of these things will come back. Maybe, I mean, they they will. Um, it will, might just be reimagined in a new way, but I think that keeping the online community consistent through that time is just going to build that up stronger when it does, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, all right. So this month's theme on the podcast, as we kick off the new year is visibility. So I'm curious to know what that word visibility means to you. And maybe it's like one of those buzzwords that we just hear all the time. And I'd love to hear if you have a reaction to it that way too. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's a word that brings up a lot of emotion for me, definitely. Cause depending on the day, if I'm feeling really good about myself and feeling really good about the work I'm doing, I love visibility cause I want to connect with people. And that really is, I, I equate visibility with connection. Like they're kind of interchangeable. It's like you have to get your message out there if you want to connect with the people who need to hear it. And if they don't know you exist, then they're never going to get help from you. So there's that whole element of visibility. If you can stay in the right frame of mind, you can see why visibility is so important. But then there's the other side of it of like being judged and being rejected and being ignored and being criticized for whatever way that you're choosing to be visible. And I have to say, so many of us create stories about how we think the world will respond to us based on who we think we are or aren't. And so we have to do the work on ourselves first before we can be visible to know that what we're doing matters and to project that energy out there instead of showing up going, this might be horrible, but I guess I have to do it anyway because people said this is how I'm going to grow my business. <laughs> I think you're so spot on and I think we should start with the stories. So like what are some of the ways that we, what are the stories we tell ourselves? What are the ways we self-sabotage from being visible? And I guess like what do you hear most often from women who you're like, oh, like you, you know, you can see it like a red flag, like, oh, that's her self-sabotaging herself. Oh, it, well, it's so common to um, look for look for examples on, say, Instagram of other women who are running a similar type of business, who are creating videos and fancy graphics and, you know, posting testimonials and getting into the comparison game. I would say that is the biggest way that we self-sabotage is by comparing ourselves to someone else who's got more followers, someone who posts more often and has more engagement, somebody who, you know, seems to be having these seven-figure seven launches or whatever they're doing. Whenever we start to say like, well, I can't do what she's doing, so why should I even try? That is such a common uh, reason that we stop ourselves. And I have to say, if you look at my Instagram, like look at who I'm following, I don't follow anybody who makes me feel bad about myself. I used to. <laughs> I, I used to follow a lot of different coaches and authors and I would see their stuff and go, oh, I don't think I could make something like that. And then I would just like be bummed out about it. I'm like, why am I following this person? <laughs> like, I don't feel 
I actually have a question about this. Um, so do you find value in following people that are doing what you do, even if they do make you feel a little, even if they do make you feel a little behind, um, but you are like, well, that's something I want to do someday, you know? So like, you're almost like following them for like ideas and you don't want to lose tabs on like your competitive, you know, your competitors. The only way I would keep following them is if it made me feel energized and excited about what I was doing. If okay. it got me into the comparison game, then I would need to delete them. I was just introduced to someone named uh, Miss Excel yesterday. She's on Instagram and TikTok and her username is Miss, like M-I-S-S, Excel, as in Microsoft Excel. And she has built an entire following on those two platforms and selling courses on Microsoft Excel. And I heard her on an interview, so it made me want to look her up. And when I looked at her videos, I was like, this woman has so much energy. She's so excited about what she's doing. Her energy makes me want to make fun videos. So she's someone I want to follow because I don't look at her and go, oh, I could never do what she's doing. <laughs> You know? <laughs> so I think that's the measuring stick is how do I feel when I look at their stuff? Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, so what are some other things that you hear around self-sabotage? Well, overthinking to the point of paralysis, you know, it's, oh, I want to make a video today. Should I do it on, uh, you know, five tips on how to be a better speaker or should I do it on the biggest mistakes speakers make. Oh, well, maybe I've already talked about that before. Oh, well, what if people have already heard that? What if they watch it? You know, and like you start to just overthink and overthink to the point where you do nothing. That's a really common problem too, because with the visibility, you, you want to get a reaction, right? So you want to make something that's worthy of people's attention, which can lead you to question yourself as to whether or not what you're saying even has any value. So the way to deal with that is to imagine a person who you want to help. Like what's their profile? What are the problems they're running through in their life right now that you could help them with? Like what are their goals and what are their challenges and what are their needs? And if you can answer these questions and make a, a profile of like the ideal person you want to help, then you can work backwards to create a list of solutions that would help them. And then from that list of solutions, you can make content that will help you get visibility. So you're staying out of the game of, like, am I even good enough to be doing this? And instead of making it about yourself, you're making it about the person that you're helping. So it kind of changes and reframes the whole activity from what are people going to think of me to how can I help that person solve their problem? Which is what we should all be focusing on all the time. You know, like that's why you're doing what you're doing is because you're helping other people. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a product or service. So. Right. Yeah, but we do like, okay, I have to make sure my desk setup is exactly perfect. And you can spend all day like making sure your shirt matches the background. And then you realize it's 430 and you haven't done a single thing. Exactly. <laughs> Which I know you're guilty of. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Do you have any other um, that you hear frequently? Yeah. Well, aiming for perfection is a really common one too. Like you're saying, like wanting to make sure that you have the right shirt and you've done your makeup and your hair looks good and you have a script and you're in the right lighting. And it's like hours can go by before you have anything that you might want to show the world. But one thing I love about TikTok is a lot of the people on there aren't concerned or consumed by what they look like and that they're in the right location. It's more like, what am I saying and how can I connect with people? And I find I spent, I waste way too much time on TikTok because I get so like 
I'm fascinated by how interesting these videos are that people make. And they're like 30 seconds long and they're creative and they're fun to watch. And I think what's fun about them is that they realize like, I need to keep someone's attention. I need to do something that will get them interested in watching me. And so they focus on what they're saying and doing instead of having the perfect outfit and sitting in the right chair in the right room in their house. So I think getting away from trying to project the perfect polished professional image and focusing on what can I say here that might be fun and interesting and different that will also be helpful. And then just getting it out there, it takes a lot of the pressure off and it also can be so much more effective. You're like the third person today that I've heard bring up TikTok. Is that your favorite um, platform? I don't I'm know. not on it. So oh, <laughs> I'm not really on it. Like I think I've posted one video, but I, I just like watching. Oh, I don't know. I, sh- <laughs> I, I kind of have a love hate relationship with social media at this point. I'm more on the hate side, but <laughs> I don't really feel good when I get off of TikTok. So I feel like, Oh my God, I just wasted an hour and I don't even know what I just did with my life. But I do find that the stuff on there is really creative. Um, so I appreciate the, like that element of it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what I would worry about too, because that's what happens to me with Instagram reels. Like, even if they're dumb, I'm just like, I'm so sucked in. Like, I want to keep watching you dance in your kitchen. And yeah. it has nothing to do with your business, but I'm still watching it. You know, exactly. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Um, all right. So you had mentioned earlier um, about the fear of being judged. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about that. Like, how common do you think that fear really is? Maybe it's more common than we even realize. It's extremely common. It's one of the biggest reasons that people don't want to be in the spotlight. And it all goes back to our our primitive brain and wanting our our primitive brain, the amygdala wants to keep us safe. And so part of being safe is being accepted and being part of the group. When we're kicked out of the group, you know, millions of years ago, that meant we were now on our own to survive and to have to you know, brave the wilderness and not get eaten by a hairy animal. So that part of our brain really kicks into high gear whenever we're going to be putting ourselves out there. Cause if we get rejected, we might be eaten. But now that we live in a different type of society where that's really not the case, we can do the work to try and, um, kind of reframe what it means to be in the spotlight. But if we don't do that work, then being judged really is something that can stop us from raising our hand to, to speak and be heard and to take an opportunity to represent the company at a conference or be on a panel of experts, because that is a real serious challenge that so many women and people grapple with. Yeah, I think you're familiar um, with a guest I had on, Linda Ugalo, who talks about like being in the spotlight, going back to some of those like very beginning moments for us in our lives when we were rejected or we had, you know, like we raised our hand in class and everybody laughed at us that one time, like that stays with us. Hmm. And I think that stage fright, like we think of it, we toss the term around so loosely, but I think it really does go back to something much more deep than just like getting up on stage and being afraid because that in a, in and of itself is not really that frightening. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So how do you help people overcome some of those fears of judgment? Like you talked about unraveling and reframing. Um. So how do you kind of help women to, to reframe those fears into maybe it even being exciting and not anxiety producing. 
Yeah, that's a well, that part of the question I want to start with because I, I don't remember who told me this, but 10 years ago when I first started speaking professionally, someone said before a speech, are you nervous? And I said, yeah. And they said, are you sure it's nerves or are you excited? And like, close your eyes and check in with your body and, and tell me what you feel. And as soon as I closed my eyes and checked in, I was like, oh, I'm actually really excited. And and they said, yeah, like our body has the same physiological response when we're excited, when we're anxious, when we're nervous. So it's up to us to reframe it as what we want it to be. So you can either say, I'm really scared right now. I'm really nervous right now. Or you can say, I'm really excited. And when you go into something feeling excited, or at least labeling it as excited, it changes the whole energy of how you approach it and what you put out into the world. So I think that one piece right there is so important, especially if you are someone who really struggles with being judged by people. Think about the exciting, the excitement of it, and think about how you can like make yourself want to look forward to it versus dreading it. Yeah. You know what? I have like a really tangible example of this. Um, whenever I don't really enjoy doing Facebook lives, so that would be like my scary one. Okay. So whenever I do a Facebook live, I imagine that at the end of this Facebook live, like six new clients are going to sign up with me. Like I'm going to be so busy. I don't even know what to do. And then it just makes me really, really excited to do the live rather than just being like, oh my gosh, what if everybody is staring at me and I say the wrong thing and I trip up, you know? So that's, that's just like one way I put on like that jet fuel pack of excitement to get me through. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you have tons more techniques. Yeah. Well, one that I like to think about, especially if I'm going to speak in front of a larger audience is just picking out one person who might be there, like imagining any audience member and thinking, why did this person decide to come here today? If it's a speech about public speaking, the reason is probably because they want to improve their speaking skills or feel more comfortable when speaking. So then I think like, what how would this person's life change as a result of attending this workshop? And I start to just daydream about like, oh, they might leave. And then tomorrow when their boss says, who wants to present at the the board meeting this weekend, maybe that person will raise their hand for the first time in their whole career. And maybe they'll go and they'll present in front of the board and the board will be so impressed that they'll get a promotion. And then with that promotion, that person can now afford to buy a house for their family. And now their family has a nicer home and their kid is going to a nicer school and all because I did this workshop. And so when I do stuff like that, I'm able to once again, separate my own anxiety or fear of my performance to focus on all the lives that can be impacted by the work that I'm doing. And the judgment thing just kind of falls out the window because it's no longer about me. Okay. I like your example way better. I'm subbing mine with yours because <laughs> mine is like, all these clients will sign up with me. Yours is like, I will change the world. <laughs> I mean, I would be changing the world if those clients signed up with me, but I like yours much better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're helping those people too. Maybe their business is going to grow and then their family is going to be in a different position. You know, I'm taking your answer. <laughs> Um, All right. So what are like, I know you have like really practical action steps and actions that people can take from going behind the scenes to being in the spotlight. Uh, I'd love for you to share like maybe three action steps. Like if you were listening to this podcast today and your goal is to get more in the spotlight, what can you do? Okay. One thing, I don't know if you know that you can do this, but if you have a Zoom account, which I think at this point pretty much everyone does because you can have a free one. You can go into a Zoom 
you can like open a zoom window, even if you're the only person there and you can record yourself giving a speech on zoom and then you can watch it back. And you might be thinking like, why would I want to talk to myself? Well, it's really good practice to speak in front of a computer because it helps you with learning where to look, right? Like looking at the camera, it trains you to get used to speaking with a camera in front of your face or a computer screen in front of your face. And it also just helps you get used to the whole practice of sitting in a chair, delivering content of whatever sort. And then watching it back is another huge learning opportunity because you get to see your energy, your facial expressions, you see your body language, you see the angle of your camera, the lighting, your eye contact, your delivery, everything that the world would see, you get to see and you get to make a critique. And this is the fastest way to get better at public speaking than giving a lot of speeches and practicing. Because when you see something that you don't like, you're going to remember it (laughs) and you're going to want to change it. So that one practice, this could take you 30 minutes. You could sit down, write a five-minute speech, open a Zoom room where you're by yourself, record it, watch it back, and you will learn so much and you will gain so much um, insight and grow so much as a speaker in just 30 minutes if you do that one step. That is a super tip. Like, (laughs) drop the mic. (laughs) I'll be back. I have to go record something on Zoom. (laughs) No, that is a really, really good tip. And and one that I've done on my phone, but not to that extent, you know, so that's brilliant. Yeah, it, I, I do it a lot when I'm practicing speeches because it just, it's like, this is where I'm going to be when I give it. So I might as well do it here. <laughs> uh, so let's see what else. Another one, which is what you just said, is to record yourself on your phone. And this is a little lower stakes because you can do it anywhere and you don't have to have quite the amount, the nice like framing and lighting. You can do it anywhere you want, but it gets you used to talking into something and having to practice either um, memorizing a script or just memorizing bullet points and then reciting them back. And then the idea is to go back and watch it and listen to it. So you get that same benefit as you do with the Zoom practice. So similar advice, but just using different technology, because some people too, like, especially if you're recording an Instagram live, you might be doing it on your phone. So getting used to talking into your phone when no one's there will help you to be better at it when people are there. And where should you be looking? At the camera, which is so annoying because the camera is just a little black dot. And it's like, this is so hard to stare at. It's hard to even see that it's there. So the advice I give people is to put a picture of someone you love or your pet right right above the camera so you can look at that instead of the black dot. So at least gives you something to focus on. And if it's someone that you love or care about, it will hopefully give you good energy for your speech and make you more engaging because you're enjoying talking to that person. Yeah, that's really smart because I always let, like, I'll be looking at the black dot and then I'm like, ooh, look at myself. <laughs> How's my hair? <laughs> and then you get all cross-eyed in the camera, you know? So yeah. I know people always say you should hide yourself view if you're going to be presenting, yeah. but I find that to be more stressful if I can't see myself because then I'm like, wait, am I still in the frame? Has the lighting changed? Is everything okay over there? And then I start to get worried. So I'd say do whatever works for you, but um, <laughs> whatever leads to the, to the uh, smallest amount of anxiety. Yes, agreed. All right. <laughs> and you owe us number three. Okay. Well, these two are tied, so maybe we can do a number three and a number four. 
But I noticed that when women were coming to speaker sisterhood, they, if they didn't join the number one reason they didn't join is because they had no experience with speaking whatsoever. And they felt like going from nothing to speaking every other week in a club was way too big of a leap to commit to. And so I wrote another book called the secret life of speaking up prequel and it's 30 tiny speaking adventures. So if you're someone who wants to get better at speaking up, but aren't necessarily ready to like go into a speaking club, this book gives tons of little, um, adventures you can go on that help you to just practice using your voice. So for example, one of them is think of three of your friends. Now think of one reason why you love each of those friends. Now pick up the phone and call those three friends at one at a time and tell them that one thing that you love about them. Oh, I love that. (laughs) My friends are all like, please get that book. And like this, this sounds like such a fun, no brainer, like why haven't I ever thought to do that before kind of activity. But when you get on the phone with someone, like being on the phone in itself can be stressful because we don't really talk on the phone that much anymore. Um, But also like having to be vulnerable like that can feel really scary, but there's like no way that any friend, if you tell them something you love about them would be like, don't call me ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And, and. If that happens, you need new friends. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like very low stakes. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Okay, I'll make sure that that resource is definitely in the show notes because I feel like that's a great way for people to get started. Yeah, I think so too. And the book is also really tiny. I call it a pocket book because it does fit in your pocket, which makes it so much more fun. <laughs> so uh, the fourth one, which was tied for third, is to join Speaker Sisterhood because it's like the best place where you can just go and be messy and imperfect and do it all wrong and you know just like show up like, hey, this is me. I don't know what I'm doing and just get tons of support and love from everybody in the room. And one other thing that I think Speaker Sisterhood has really helped me with, like just if I'm allowed to give this example, um, it's really helped me to speak better off the cuff, which is something I hugely struggled with. I mean, even in my podcast, I can I listened back to a whole bunch this past weekend and I was like, wow, that has really gotten better. Like I'm still not where I want to be but I'm a lot better than where I was because speaking off the cuff for me was very stressful because I couldn't like have it written and read my notes and all this stuff. Um, and, and I don't want to scare people by saying like, that's what happens there, but it does in such a loving, fun, interactive way. You know, like you're just like, Oh, this is just like having a conversation with my friend. So, um, that's just one thing that I think has, has grown so much through that. Yeah, I think I'm glad that you mentioned that because I do talk so much about giving speeches. And when we think about speaking off the cuff, that's not necessarily a speech. But yeah, there's a good portion of each meeting that's dedicated to just extemporaneous speaking. And here's the topic, now go. And it's like you speak for 60 seconds to two minutes on just something that off the top of your head, what can you put together? And it's it's such a great skill for interviews, especially if you're going to be on a podcast or host a podcast. It's like great. Yeah. And I also think that that just helps us like even in network meetings and things like that, like it helps us be better at sharing about ourselves in, in maybe an impromptu fashion. So, um, all right. Is there any question that I didn't ask that you were just dying for me to ask you or something that you really want to share as a big takeaway? Yeah. It's just that I think the longer I do this, the more I appreciate the people who are willing to 
put their themselves out there, even if they don't feel totally confident and ready. And when I see someone who's making a real effort because what they have to say is important and they know that it's important enough to put themselves through that, I always feel so much gratitude for them and I'm appreciative and I, I see their courage and I just want to root them on and I want to support them and sh- and share what they're doing. So if anyone listening feels like they're not polished at speaking and they're not perfect and they don't really know if what they're saying makes any sense to anyone but themselves. My advice is like, just, just go out and start talking about it and like, you know, start a podcast or be on someone's podcast and start posting things online and start a newsletter and don't be afraid to write that book. And like just doing the work, even if you feel like other people are doing it better or other people have been doing it longer, like the world needs to hear what you have to say too. And you will get better as you go. And even if you're not like at the top of your game or the top of your industry yet, like you'll, you know, it it matters. Like what you're doing matters anyway. So I just, I want to always reiterate that point. Like you'll never be ready. You just have to start. And like when you do start, great things happen. I love that. And it brings us back to your motto, which is stop waiting, start creating. It's so that yeah. was perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, you may now take a bow. Um, <laughs> all right. How can we find and connect with you and Speaker Sisterhood online? Well, Speaker Sisterhood is at speakersisterhood.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. You can just look up our handles at Speaker Sisterhood. And I'm on Instagram, kind of, <laughs> not not that often, but um, I would say just follow Speaker Sisterhood. And the best place to get information right now, I'm very active with my podcast, which is Claim the Stage, and it's on all podcast platforms, and it's a weekly show about public speaking and speaking up. So that's a great place to follow what we're doing. Yeah, agreed. I highly recommend listening to that podcast. Thank you. Um, well, Angela, thanks so much for joining us. This was fun and fantastic and lots and lots of information. And I hope again, to your takeaway message, I just hope that people start to step out in little small ways and make themselves more visible. Yeah, me too. Thank you. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org. 